Our scripture text today, uh, just a few brief passages from the end of the 12th chapter in the book of Hebrews. So we're going to go through a lot of that chapter as we talk here today. Um, And here's what that writer says. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. For that is, whoops, wrong verse. (laughs) Uh, That's why these glasses uh, are here. Therefore, since we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship, reverence and all, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you could have any attribute or ask for any, anything that is an ability, what, what might that be? Well, put a different way, maybe some of y'all with your kids or your grandkids have done this game. If you could be a superhero and have a superpower, what would it be? You know, have you ever done that? Have you ever thought about that? I know some of y'all have. Would you be fast as anything like the Flash or would you fly like Superman or would you be strong like the Hulk or would you swing through the buildings like Spider-Man, be able to climb up walls like that? Would you be uh, like that snarky guy, Ant-Man, that would shrink down to any size and fit any space that you wanted to? What superpower would you have? What do you want? What would it be? I heard one fellow said, if I had a superpower, it'd be able to eat whatever I wanted, as much as I wanted, and not get fat or get full. I, you know, I kind of like that superpower, you know, particularly Thanksgiving dinner next week. I mean, just imagine, you know. Eat, eat, and eat. Kind of like that. But can you imagine that your superpower was gratitude? That was your superpower? Because, you see, it changes everything if we have this as our superpower. Uh, studies show us that if you regularly journal in a Thanksgiving journal like you've been given, and if you didn't get one yet, there's some in the back, but daily thanking God for several things, it increases your positive attitude, it improves your sleep, it enables you to go about and be someone who people like to be around. A study was done on the attributes that people saw in others uh, and that they would like to be around that person. And 96% of the 800 respondents said, that I like to be around people who are grateful. I like to be around people who are grateful. Gratefulness, it improves your circulation. It improves your your ability to work. As I said a moment ago, it gives you a better night's sleep. It enables you to stay in a marriage. It enables you to put up with sometimes the pains at work. Gratefulness, you see, changes everything because it changes our perspective. Gratitude is the secret sauce for living. And it isn't a superpower. It's something all of us can cultivate. It's something all of us that can develop. It can become a habit. Gratitude. Cicero, the great statesman and orator of the first century B.C., said this, gratitude is not just the greatest virtue, it is the parent of all virtues. The parent of all virtues is this thing that we call gratitude. For gratitude, y'all, enables us to see the world differently. 
enables us to be able to have a positive outlook in life and a perspective that enables us to move forward. And we of all people as Christians, as followers of Christ, as those who worship Yahweh, should be the most grateful of all. Scripture is filled with giving thanks. Psalm 136 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 100 says, enter into his courts, gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Thank the Lord, bless his name for why? Good. That's right. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His blessings are for all generations. All generations. And in the New Testament, one of the theme verses for this little mini-series that we're, we're doing right now uh, comes from 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always. Give thanks in every season, every situation. For this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Give thanks always in every season, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And why can we do this? Why can we be so hopeful, even when things may not be going well? Why is this? Because it's based on the nature of who God is. First, uh, James 1 says this. It says that we receive blessings from the Father of life from on high, who is not shifting and shapeless like a vapor or wind, his nature is eternal and everlasting. And so that's why this writer of Hebrews here at the end of the 12th chapter, though I read first all in the middle of it, just making sure you're all paying attention. Uh, he goes through this whole chapter talking about these reasons why we can be grateful. You might remember last week, if those of you who were here or those who tuned in, we gave thanks to God for those persons that, as the writer of Hebrews says, are these great cloud of witnesses, these folks that are looking down from the balcony of heaven and are encouraging us and leading us on or giving us an example. We can give thanks to God for those people because they enrich our lives. And then he goes through this chapter talking about this this comparison of God as was in the Old Testament and this covenant of, that was the old covenant and this new covenant that we receive in Jesus Christ. He describes there in this chapter that, that picture at Mount Sinai from the book of Exodus. You all might remember. You saw the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. You can vividly see this. You know, the, there's smoke over the mountain and there's lightning and thunder and, and there's a great rumbling from within those clouds and the people are scared to death and Scripture says, you're not even supposed to come close to this. Don't let your donkey, your sheep, your goats get near this mountain because the Holy One is there. He is descended from on high. And he's going to deliver to the people a way of life that is called the law. And Moses goes up into that mountain with all the smoke and the thunder and the loud noise. And there he is for 40 days receiving the law. But the writer of Hebrews says, compare that to what we have now in Jesus Christ. God has descended in this Jesus. He has come down to a mountain in loneliness and humility, facing death on a cross. And unlike that mountain where we're not supposed to get close to it, this mountain, Jesus says, I will draw all people unto myself. Because you see, the eternal nature of God Condescend himself to us. He condescends himself to us, coming down to us. And in this new covenant offered to us in Jesus Christ, we are drawn forth unto him. 
and receive these wonderful benefits that the writer of Hebrew tells us that are unshakable, immutable, unchangeable. These are the things that we who stay close and are drawn to God have as a pledge and a promise. It's true. And as we live our lives in these, we can be grateful. Look what he says there. He says uh, that there will be a holy city, a new Jerusalem. And and we read throughout the, the Old Testament prophets that they talk about the new Jerusalem that is coming. And that all people will be drawn to the city and all the nations will be brought together and they will be healed of all their brokenness and infirmity as they've come to this mountain of God. And I love the way it's described, this new Jerusalem, in the book of Revelation. You all remember that in the 22nd chapter. Every tear will be wiped away and death will be no more. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more longing. For God is there in our midst. The writer of Hebrews is saying, this is yours. This is your inheritance. And because of this, you have every reason to trust in the unshakable nature of God. And you can give thanks and praise. But he says, that's not all. <laughs> that, 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 that it and all. He said, look, this will be a place of where the angels dwell, and, and the angels will be celebrating. The Greek language that is used there is borrowed from the pagan culture where folks gather together at the temple on a holiday, and they're having a great time. It's a celebration. It's like school has been let out. I love the way that C.S. Lewis describes uh, what heaven's like at the end of the, of the last battle in the Chronicles of Narnia. He says it's this, the term is ended. The holiday has begun. Well, that's what it's going to be like as we are there in this holy city. It's a grand celebration. And I love what the writer says, the angels are rejoicing because it's a big party. And everyone who trusts and follows can rejoice and be a part of that. Isn't that wonderful to know? That it's there waiting for us. It's this grand celebration. Like school has been let out. And there's some school children here in this and are, can't wait for Thanksgiving. Because why? School is out. Christmas is coming. But the holiday won't end, you see. Wow. And then he says that news is even better. Because you are the first inheritors of this. You are the firstborn, the chosen. And if you'll remember what it's like in, in the ancient world, it sure was a benefit to be that first one, to be born into a family. You got over half of all that was going to be given away at his inheritance. You got the cream of the crop. You got the pick of the litter. You got everything that was best because, well, you were the firstborn. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says, all of y'all are firstborn. All of y'all are co-inheritors with Jesus Christ. You are the ones that get the pick of the litter. You get the cream of the crop because of what Jesus Christ has done. It's like you're the firstborn child. You are the special one. Isn't that wonderful news? Isn't that 
Isn't that wonderful news? Because here's what he goes on to say after that. says, your name is written in the registry of life. I went and voted this past Tuesday, and I know a lot of y'all did, according to what I heard, though not enough people went out and voted. I think it was 42% of folks in, in Watauga County, almost said Watauga County because it was in Watauga County, Alabama, but Watauga County voted. I mean, well, I won't get into that. But I, I was there in line uh, to vote, and um, I went in there, and uh, there was a young lady that was in front of me, and the lady there was looking through the list, and she said, you're in the wrong place. This isn't where you need to be voting. You need to go to down the hill to another plate to vote. Oh, my gosh, I got nervous because, you know, it's North Carolina, and it's different up here. And I thought, as I, as I went into the line, I wondered as if when I went up to this lady, she seemed nice enough, but, I mean, she sent that gal away. And I wondered if that was going to happen to me. So I gave him my license, and she looked through the list, and she said, Oh, yeah, here you are. Sign this. Go get your ballot. Well, can you imagine there in that long line waiting before the pearly gates as some interpreted, and there's St. Peter uh, looking down the list. And he looks down and he says, oh, I see your name. It's written right here. Come on in. The master's waiting to give you your reward. Wow. How cool will that be? Of course, you don't want to hear the words, hey, you need to go down the hill. Uh, <laughs> no, your name is written right here. Enter in the joy of your master. Wow. That's an unshakable promise for all of us who stay connected to Christ follow after him. But he goes on to say something that's, well, maybe a, a little disquieting. Because he says this, he says, you'll go and stand before the judgment seat of God. Wow. And what I can imagine is that we come into the presence of such love and such holiness uh, at when we are go through those gates and, and have entered in there. I, I can imagine it's, it's like this. Well, think about all the times we've disappointed him. It's like someone we love and your parents or your wife or your, your husband and we've disappointed them. Imagine that on a grand scale for the entirety of your life. You think about those things that, you know, you should have done, should have gone there, should have said that word, should have made that call. Should have gone on that mission trip. Should have invited that person to church. And you didn't. You feel the weight of that. And all the many things that, well, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have wished to be that glutton that could eat everything and not get fat. <laughs> and it's hard. But then the next line is such good news. Yes, but these are all covered over by the blood of him who died. It's like we feel these things. But God says, hey, I don't see them. They're taken from you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. How wonderful is that for those of us who are connected to Christ, 
We have this unshakable God who loves us and promises us these things and gives us blessings in the here and now. We have so much reason for, to be grateful, so many reasons to give thanks to God. Because you see, we don't always see that, do we? The roots of bitterness, the roots of anger, the roots of ungratitude can be so deep in us. I mean, the writer of Hebrews says that. Just a few verses into the chapter, he says, root out all bitterness that is amongst you. Take away everything that would cause you to be ungrateful. Because, as he said, it leads to dissension. It leads to things that keep us from experiencing the abundance of God in Jesus Christ. Take away all that bitterness. The secret to that is gratitude. Because in all seasons, we're called to give thanks. Anne Lamont writes a wonderful little book about prayer called Help, Thanks, Wow. The Three Essential Prayers. It's a great little book. And in the chapter on thanks, she describes a, a woman that is a friend of hers named Barbara that has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. It, ALS is described as sitting in the front row watching the demise of your own body. It's a terrible disease. And her friend Barbara was confined to a wheelchair, had to get Schmidt through a feeding tube, and the only way she could communicate is somehow maneuver an iPad that could speak for her. Truly terrible. So one day, Anne Lamont and another friend took Barbara to a park just to get out. And Barbara, in seeing all this, said, I'm so grateful. So grateful. Think about that. She's in a wheelchair, can't talk, get nourishment through a feeding tube. She says, I'm so grateful. And Anne Lamont says, well, what are you grateful for? And she said, beauty. Beauty of the trees, the flowers, the birds, beauty of friendship. Or you see, y'all, gratitude enables us to be lifted beyond the situations in which we are enduring and enable us to gain perspective of how God is blessing us even in the midst of that struggle. Gratitude can save us, you see. I've seen people die and have a smile and a peace about them because they look back and say, God, thank you for what you have done. I know many a person who's dealt with addiction and battled demons that are hard to overcome. And each and every person that has overcome those gives credit in part to being grateful. For in gratefulness and thanksgiving, they gain a perspective on life and what's truly important. And so when the temptation comes for that next drink, that next smoke, that next hit, that next clicking on something on the internet or to buy something you really don't need, who I am right now. Gratitude can save us, you see. I know. It saved me, saved my life. After the tragedy that took our son's life, I was in a deep, dark place. Very dark, very hard. And one day in our 
home in Fairhope. I, I was laying in bed, I, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon even. And it, I was in a bad place. And I was so depressed and so down and so hurt. And I knew that the guns were in the closet nearby. And I felt them drawing them to me, or me to them. And I almost went. And then I heard the voice of my wife say, you know, Ed, it's a pretty day out, and the gutters need cleaning. <laughs> I said, all right, dear. So I got the ladder and climbed up onto the back eaves and started cleaning out the leaves, and, and I felt the the warmth of the sunshine, and I uh, heard the birds singing, and I was, became grateful for trees, even if they put tons of leaves into our gutters, and being there with a the woman I loved. And I said, thank you. And that changed everything. And so I started journaling thankfulness. I took one of my son's old uh, football journals that he got from Auburn University when he worked for the Auburn football team. And it's every day I'd write down 10 things for which to give thanks. Some of them were minuscule, like thankful that we had air conditioning in a South Alabama home, and also for great things like the many, many friends that reached out to us in our time. Gratitude, you see, was a shining light into my darkness saved my life may save yours and why could i have this gratitude even in the midst of the darkness and despair of our lives well ultimately it's on a hope that was based on something that's an unshakable truth the promise that our boy was in heaven and that we'd see him again too and that the love of God descended into our lives and has been there, shining a light into our darkness. For our gratitude isn't some pied fancy or something that is just a glib pie in the sky. It's based on a foundation that cannot be shaken or broken. And that's why in all seasons we can give thanks. You may have heard the story of Horatio Spafford. He uh, was a son of a prominent American who was in correspondence with people like Thomas Jefferson. So he's from a pretty prominent family. And as a young man, he went to law school and then went to Chicago and uh, helped found a very successful practice up there where they were making lots and lots of money, very successful in so many ways. He married a beautiful young woman named Anna and they had four children. And things seemed to be going great. They had a, had a beautiful home uh, on the outskirts of town. Then the, the great Chicago fire hit. And it burned down, as you all probably know from your history, most of the town. And the, Horatio Spafford and his par partners lost a lot. But they kept their lives. And his home wasn't touched. But there's a lot of pressure there. A lot of things going on in their lives. So they said, let's get away for a while. So they booked a trip to Europe. 
And uh, they were going to go on the finest luxury liner in the world at that time, this French liner that I'm not going to say because I'd butcher it. This kept Spaford from traveling with his wife and four children. And so they set out on this voyage to, to Europe. And as a rough passage, the seas were tossing back and forth for most of the time. But finally, the seas calmed down there in, in, in late November. And they had a beautiful, beautiful voyage for a day or two. And then one night on November 22nd, 1873, a Scottish freighter in the middle of the night collided with this luxury liner. And it quickly was sinking. Anna and her four children were able to leave the boat, but in the chill waters of, a, of the Atlantic Ocean there in November, only Anna survived. All four children died. When she got to France, she wired her husband and said this, all are lost. Spafford quickly got on a ship to head to France to be with his wife. And it was said while he was near the spot in which this tragic accident occurred where over 200 people died, including his four children, the words to a song that you're going to hear in just a moment came to him. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roar, whatever my lot that has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Why could Spaford do that? Why could he do that? Because his hope and his gratitude was based in the unshakable nature of this God who has an unfailing love for us, unfailing condensation of himself to our beings and our nature and enables us to have hope no matter what. Even when our friends fail us, even when our health fails us, even when circumstances fail us, even when life fails us, even when we fail ourselves, God's love is unfailing. It is there. It enables us to say, it is well with my soul. So, claim for yourselves this unshakable God. Stay true to Him. And as you do so, and live the life that He's calling you to live, your heart's going to overflow, no matter what, with thanksgiving. For you see, gratitude is the ultimate superpower. It changes everything. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Oh God, we know that your love is unshakable. It does not stop. It is something that you descend down to us and offer to, to each and every one of us in Jesus Christ. And we pray right now, God, that somehow, some way, someone who's uh, dealing with a tough situation in their life might be a grief or heartache. It might be uh, battling some demon might be wondering what a purpose is or in this stage that they, life they find themselves. Whatever it is, God, help each person look to you and find just one thing for which to give thanks. 
And as they do so, Lord, they open themselves up to your grace, which changes everything and enables us to say thanks. Now, God, we come before you, offering this prayer in the name of the one who came down to be with us, to take us up to a mountain, to be forgiven, and to be free, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.